The first piece of misalignment is just in the industry, we see many companies that don't think they're big enough or mature enough, old enough. And that's not only is that not the case, it's in some ways almost the opposite, because I feel like if ABM is nothing else, it's about creating efficiencies with the resources that you do have. And so there's this irony in that the companies that are tighter on resources, whether that's time, budget, people, are ones that could benefit the most from the alignment and efficiencies you would get with ABM. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hey folks, what is going on? This is Claudia Tarico, editor of Demand Gen Report and your newly appointed solo host of the B2BMX podcast. Today's listen is going to be a little bit different from what you're used to, but hopefully you dig it. I actually sat down with Randy Barshak, the lovely CMO of Rollworks for today's episode, so we can dive deeper into a recent B2B MX session from the past event in February that her Rollworks colleagues presented. So we're going to slide some snippets of that presentation and weave that into our conversation for the show today. The topic, of course, is ABM. Because so many B2B marketers are really embracing account-based approaches. A lot of people are doubling down on ABM, especially during the pandemic. And what really came to light was the misconception that ABM is only for big teams and big budgets, right? But in fact, marketing teams of all size and scale can do ABM and do it successfully. So it's not just for those big dog enterprise companies with all the money and all the bandwidth and all that stuff. We'll hit on all of that during today's episode and we'll cover additional topics such as how small teams could get started with ABM and what you can do to get additional budget and headcount and technology for ABM and really scale your ABM programs, create those one-on-one experiences across thousands of target accounts, and then some. So without further ado, let's get right into it. I'm going to introduce Randy, and then we'll slide in some presentation snippets. So enjoy the show, and I'll catch you soon. Randy, how are you today? Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. It's great to be here, Claudia. I'm doing great, having a happy spring. So thanks for having me. I'm so glad that the weather is finally starting to just be a little nicer. I live on the East Coast in North Jersey, so it's been a rough winter. I'm really ready for some nice spring. The days are longer, which always puts me in a better mood. I love that vitamin D. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you because two of your colleagues at Rollworks recently presented a fascinating session on ABM from startup to scale at the B2B Marketing Exchange online experience at the end of February. And I just really love this topic because more and more B2B marketers are starting to embrace account-based approaches, obviously, right, for good reason. And I feel like we finally kind of got rid of that 
stigma or that misconception that ABM is only for huge teams and enterprise organizations with big budgets and and all that stuff. I know Rollworks has been very vocal about the fact that ABM is for everyone, teams of all different sizes, shapes, forms, and budgets and and things like that. And and it's really a benefit for any kind of team to use account-based approaches. So I really wanted to kind of dive deeper into the conversation of startup to scale and really home in on some of the key points delivered during the presentation to really get our audience to think about ABM from all sides and help them kind of take their ABM initiatives to the next level if they're ready having different ABM plays in check or just starting out. So let's kick things off. Yeah, I mean, somewhere in my long-winded introduction over there about ABM, it is very multifaceted. And I feel like I could ask anyone who I sit down with to chat what their ABM best practices are. And I feel like I, I do get different answers all of the time. So given that variation, does this translate to any internal misalignment on the best way of capitalizing on or implementing ABM strategies? Claudia, you touched on this. You talked about the misconception out in the market, ABM only being for large companies. And and while large companies are certainly very successful and we work with some fantastic large-scale programs, one of the, the misconceptions, like as you mentioned, is that smaller companies don't have the resources or bandwidth to leverage ABM. And so that in terms of that translating into misalignment, I would say the first piece of misalignment is just in the industry, we see many companies that don't think they're big enough or mature enough, old enough. And that's not only is that not the case, it's in some ways almost the opposite, because I feel like if ABM is nothing else, It's about creating efficiencies with the resources that you do have. And so there's this irony in that the companies that are tighter on resources, whether that's time, budget, people, are ones that could benefit the most from the alignment and efficiencies you would get with ABM. I think, you know, it's funny, as you were talking, it made me think that maybe instead of account-based marketing, it should be account-based mentality. So the first step is just adopting the mentality that it's going to be about accounts first and the ability to agree with our entire go-to-market team on what are the accounts that are going to bring the most value to us as a company and then aligning efforts around those named accounts. And there's a variety of ways in which you can do that. So I think if you've if you've got if you sort of sit down with your teams and say let's have a pre-existing list of the accounts that matter the most to us and we can talk about varying sizes of that and hey you go do your thing and we'll go do our thing but let's have that list centralized list in mind to me that's step 1 and that starts getting you the alignment and then the, there's a whole spectrum of shapes and sizes of programs that you can do to run against that list. So the the elements of success for ABM at any size company, we really believe are these three key components of identifying your audience, engaging that audience across channels, and then of course, measuring and optimizing as you go. You need to understand the effect of these programs and in order to, to scale and uh, invest well as you go forward. 
So identifying your audience is, is really about laying that foundation and, and understanding your target account list, right? So you're going to start with the ideal customer profile. You can identify that by looking at your closed one business, right? And your most successful customers to date. Start with the data that you have in your CRM. Um, use vendor data and, and other sources to pull uh, unknown accounts that fit that criteria, right? Find similar accounts that look like your successful customers and, and start... Um, evaluating uh, the quality of those, uh, but using data and using insights from sales as well. And then you can, you can tier those accounts again, using data or sort of more manual processes, depending on where you are in your, in your sort of maturity. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. Obviously, once you have your target account list, you do still need to identify individual people within that account. You, some of these accounts might be huge companies. You want to make sure you are targeting the right buyers and the right buying committee. Um, so again, you'll use uh, your own data and, and vendor databases most likely to, to build out this, these, um, these contact lists and be able to go and target the, the contacts that you can find, that you can, can know and, and gather email addresses for, and also uh, contact unknown buyers and get them into your funnel. What are the key components throughout the process for a startup, for a small company with a small budget, just starting out? Are there any low cost channels that that would really help kick off ABM programs? And how do they really get started in that? Right. There's lots of ways to, you know, what I would say, dip your toe in the water with ABM. I'll give you a, a simple example we often talk about gifting as one of the channels for ABM. So if you're going to send out $25 Starbucks gift cards, I'm sitting here drinking my Starbucks um, as, as we talk, Starbucks gift cards, it's a no-brainer to sit down and say, what are the top, I don't know, 100 accounts that are worth the $25? Let's not send $25 Starbucks gift cards to the entire universe. That's I don't think there's any country, uh, any company that has that level of budget, except maybe Starbucks. But who should we set? What? Who are the accounts that we should send them to? And you you sit down. That's in some ways that's that's an account based mentality. We're going to agree. Now that might not be a data driven approach. It might have a lot more subjectivity than some of the ways in which we can algorithm algorithmically get to those target account lists. But that's a great step one. We're going to send gift cards to these accounts? Or who should the SDRs, when they wake up Monday morning, be reaching out to? Let's prioritize. Let's prioritize the list. And then, hey, why don't we send those Starbucks gift cards to the same accounts that the SDRs want to break into? And then you're aligning efforts, and then you're creating efficiencies. And much as I want everyone to be excited about the Rollworks platform, you can do that with a spreadsheet. You can even do it with, a, with just, a, you don't even need a spreadsheet. You can just have a Word doc. Here's the 100 accounts, and we're going to do that, right? Now, then you can say, wouldn't it be great if those same 100 accounts are seeing a targeted ad campaign? And so we could run an ad campaign specifically targeting those people at those accounts. Now you have three channels activating. Maybe you say, these 20 are really important. So let's build a customized landing page when they do come to our website so that they see something else. There's so many baby steps you can take. And then the next thing, of course, is, um, and I think we'll, we, I'm guessing we'll get to this later. I hope we do, because we're talking about startup to quote scale. So when we get to the scale, 
doesn't have to be a hundred accounts. It can be thousands of accounts. And then you do some things for some accounts and other things for other accounts. And you prioritize even within those accounts. But the reality is you don't need to be thinking about the accounts that you already pretty much know aren't going to be useful. You can sort of qualify them out and again, have a running list of the ones that will matter the most. And then you just create efficiencies that way. Quickly on ABM channels, because obviously then once you have these uh, these account lists and these buyer audiences, you, you want to go and reach them across channels. And this is just to show that, you know, ABM is really a very cross-channel um, initiative and, and program and should be, you know, not just thought of as, you know, fancy dinners at, at, at the steakhouse or in-person events, obviously. And we'll talk about both of those things in a moment and how they are sort of quote unquote off the table, if you will, with dinner is off the table. Um, but, you know, you really should be thinking about all the different channels that you have at your disposal that you're using for any other marketing programs you might be running and using those for a, an account-based approach. And here's where we will we'll talk about dinner being off the table. So obviously, you know, uh, ABM, as we used to know it, was, you know, depended a lot on, on in-person events and very high-touch experiences like gifting, uh, which was much easier to do when we knew where people were at the office every day. Uh, and it's certainly not impossible at all, but it's certainly more challenging in the work-from-home era. So we are seeing as a result of that, obviously, that digital is, is on the rise this year. Uh, and, and especially uh, ABM marketers are turning more towards digital um, it in this in this new uh, normal, right? So digital spend is up, um, and uh, buyers are noticing. You know, buyers are actually really responding to digital, so it is working. Um, I think the interesting thing here too, though, is to note is that you know digital ads are not replacing or like being the be all end all of, of ABM programs because of you know because events are are gone. Uh, digital, we see a lot of our customers talk about as a, you know, a lift for other channels, right? So digital in conjunction with SDR outreach or in conjunction with gifting or in conjunction with some of these other uh, channels, I think is where we really start to see the, the, the incredible lift. And I think Allison, you've, you've seen that with a number of customers that you've worked with. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just would expand on that just a little bit and say it's an interesting sort of new ground to cover to your point when some of the channels we're used to putting so much money into and they're not available to us anymore. So we've seen a lot of different types of businesses come in and succeed with this and it really opens up their um, marketing toolbox, if you will. So exploring this and utilizing this, like you said, in conjunction, we, we've seen across different segments, well outside the technology um, business segment um, organizations be really successful. So that's great to see. In terms of technology, it's no secret there are limitless options to choose from. I know some people are real full-blown ABM players and vendors in the space like Rollworks, and then others are kind of just tossing that acronym in there in a press release or two and not really delivering on what people expect from, from an ABM solution. So what types of technologies or tools are needed to get started what can wait to until the scaling process? Like, so what's essential and, and kind of what's optional for kind of growing and, and scaling the ABM plays? Right. So I'll talk about getting started. Getting started, very first thing, a spreadsheet. Or like I said, maybe even a Word document. If, if Just get that list. Here's our target account list. Here, it's the same list that sales is, is looking at as their target account list. What used to happen 
I've seen time and time again is you have sales kickoff in January. Each rep has to name their top 10 accounts. It's a big to-do. They present them. There's a spreadsheet. And then it maybe May rolls around and you're buying box seats at a ball game. And you're like, wait, where's that list sales came up with? Because these are expensive tickets and deciding who we should spend our money on. Let's like go back and find that list, right? So it's, it's usually not living, breathing. By that time, sales has moved on. So it's actually not even up to date. You go invite everyone to the expensive baseball game, you know, in the box seats, and it sort of flops because, yeah, there's some maybe account-based thinking in there, but sales has moved on. And that was really just a list they kind of pulled out of the air um, for, for kickoff, and they've actually moved on to something else. But if you keep that list live, right, and if, again, you're aligning SDR outreach with that list, you're aligning your, your seller outreach with that list, you're creating ad campaigns against that list. You're doing LinkedIn ads against that list. You're sending gifts to that list. That's a start, right? Now, it gets hard to maintain and measure that and align. What you'll start doing is you're doing it very manually. Oh, here's the account I sent a Starbucks card to. Wait, I'm going to go open up my Google Analytics log. I'm going to sort of look through every IP address that hit my site and I'm, you know, I'm going to sort of maybe you have an intern manually doing that. Well, if you've got an intern marrying web traffic to SDR connect rate to add impressions to add clicks, that starts to become those manual efforts. If you want to tie them together, will start to become almost impossible for a human to handle. So then you step up to an ABM platform that can centralize this. So the, that quote unquote list, that Excel spreadsheet becomes a living, breathing platform like your CRM, like your marketing platform. The ads you're running automatically change in terms of who you're targeting based on how that list dynamically changes. Your SDR prioritization list automatically changes based on what's happening. And then when you really want to get to scale, a critical part is layering on more temporal information that shows indications of readiness. For example, here's my top 400 accounts, but these 20 are exhibiting explicit intent. We see them out on the internet researching a topic relevant to us. Oh, those are first thing Monday morning outreach. Instead of the $25 Starbucks gift card, I'm going to send them a $100 lobster dinner, right? Those are the ones that are going to get the custom landing page, right? And then I can also measure which ones are engaging, which ones are actually spending time on my website. And again, I might give them more priorities. So it's very easy to kind of gradually get more and more robust. And again, it's the mentality. It's just get the mentality going look at the efficiencies. Once you realize those efficiencies, I think any marketer worth their their weight in, what is it, their weight in gold or their weight in salt or something like that, would adopt a larger scale account-based strategy because it's, it's, again, it's a more efficient way of working. So if you have less resources, this makes much more sense instead of fluttering around, throwing seeds to the wind and, and waiting to see who comes and picks them up. Okay, let's talk tech. Let's talk tech. So, you know, there's a couple of philosophies out there on marketing technology. As we all know, it's really overwhelming. And I, it's what I have. Let's just admit, or let's be honest, there are too many options out there across the board. Um, on the on the right-hand side of, of this 
um, slide is kind of an image of actually just the Rollworks partner ecosystem. And it's really just illustrating similar to what Devin showed earlier that cross channel, different tools, like all the things we have to think about. But the two different philosophies that I think are really interesting that I see in the marketplace are either, you know, really investing in one platform or uh, that does all, but you know, you're going to make um, concessions um, and not get the best performance out of certain components of your ABM programs. Uh, or there's the, you know, the opportunity to kind of build as you go and really thinking about collecting or procuring the different point solutions that are best in class to equal what it is you want is, you know, it's a strategy I wasn't used to four or five years ago. And I'm really an advocate of um, at this at this stage, the the re another big reason for that is like I have here it's um you know what is right for my small team again going back to starting where you are not only with people and not only with process but with tech too so you know it just for example for rollworks if you if truly digital advertising is taking you know a big percent of that budget you know a best in class solution in digital advertising is rollworks that might be something to start with and build around um so that's just an example um you know, the philosophy is going to depend on, you know, the constituents in your organization and what you already have. And now a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Rollworks, the account-based platform for ambitious B2B marketers that want to align their marketing and sales teams and confidently grow revenue. Planning season rolls around once every year, or quarter, or half. You know what that means. Endless vendor calls, email threads, contracts, and planning meetings. That's why Rollworks is offering to cross one thing off your to-do list. They've put together a boss-ready marketing planning deck that includes templates for everything from ideal audience building to digital ad planning, internal selling slides to align business needs to marketing must-haves, and quick tips on how to win 2021 no matter where you are on your account-based journey. Download your free editable ABM planning template at tinyurl.com slash ABM planning and get some major props from your higher-ups. That's tinyurl.com slash ABM planning to download today. Moving on to ABM teams. I'm always so fascinated because, you know, I, I talk to people on a, on a daily basis and, and many are very far into their ABM, I guess, journey and some are just starting out. So the ones, the bigger organizations have like full-blown ABM teams, just specifically focusing on ABM. And I know that is not realistic for, for a majority of, of companies to train your team or even just one single person for ABM, any tips or best practices that you can provide to really make sure that you're giving that ABM professional the tools and resources and everything they need to, to, to do their job? Yeah, good question. First of all, I think I think in the future, we're not going to even have ABM teams. I think it's going to be so infused into everything that is B2B marketing that those people running the ABM teams right now are the ones that are going to be running the marketing departments. Um, so it's not that your job is going away. It's that it's going to change and you'll be running the world. So 
it is as marketers, there's nothing more aggravating than feeling like we're being pressured into the hot new thing because some board members heard of it or our salesperson, you know, caught a whiff of it. But the reality is, I think without adoption and understanding of the tools available to you, you're not a contemporary marketer if you're not adopting these technologies. So I think, Claudia, the way to get started is to bridge the gap between the understanding that most good marketers have an account-based mentality, whether they know it or not. And then you have to sort of take the leap and understand that you just need to do that in a more systematic way. So let me, let me give you an example. A trade show list is pretty lead-heavy list. You get the booth scans, you can't control who's walking in to, to grab your pen or your T-shirt or whatever you're giving away, right? And, and so what happens at the end of a trade show, you get the lead list, right? You download the list. What's the first thing any marketer does? They don't look and say, oh, someone named Claudia stopped at our booth. Someone named Angela, someone named Devin, someone named Randy stopped at our booth. You scan the column of the accounts, right? You say, someone from Coca-Cola, someone from GE, you know, someone from Rollworks came by our booth, right? And in your head, you're actually saying, those are accounts that I think are good. Now, again, there's some subjectivity, but you're getting excited about the accounts, right? So again, any good marketer knows, even with leads, what you're doing is you're filtering them against accounts that matter, and you're pulling those cards out and you're handing them to your salespeople or your SDRs to follow up on right away. So I think the way to get started is to educate yourself and say, I get it. Here's this thing called ABM. And then understand how you can deploy that in an outbound way. So now I can pick and choose metaphorically who walks into my booth or who sees my ads or who's getting those Starbucks gift cards or who the SDRs are going to outreach to. So it's, I think, sort of bridging the gap and, and understanding that because the technology is here, I can control my channels much more tightly, even channels like syndication or advertising that I think of as generally as what I call wide funnel channels. So it could be one person that is just evangelizing that within usually it would be a demand gen team and then looking at account level activity holistically. So again, sometimes it might start with you're doing it very, very manually and that would be incredibly painful, but I'm just going to take a handful of accounts. I'm going to spend my weekend looking through the web logs, seeing how much they hit our website looking up uh, in Salesforce and sort of seeing or Marketo or whatever your, or, or HubSpot, seeing what the activity is and like piecing it together. And then if you start to derive value from that, then you can very quickly get to a platform that will give you a more holistic view by accounts. And that to me is sort of the inflection point where you really change your mentality, where you're looking at what accounts are doing more holistically, and then you're truly ABMing. And then the third key component, identify the audience, engage them across channels. Uh, don't forget digital in that and uh, digital ads. And then, you know, measure your success. And measuring uh, an account-based approach does represent a, a bit of a paradigm shift for those of us who've been in marketing for a while and have been living a, a lead-driven life for a very long time, right? This represents a shift from 
volume to value from people to accounts. Um, and really, ultimately, obviously, it's it's all about revenue impact. Uh, but you might be looking more at sort of account influence, um, you know, depending on the, the length of your sales cycle, for example, you know, you're not necessarily going to be looking at these, you know, sort of immediate lead volume, kind of gratification metrics that we're all sort of used to in, in the demand gen world. Um, so I do think it's important as you embark on your account based approaches to really keep that in mind that the measurement framework here is a little bit different and that the timelines might be different for sort of seeing uh, the results that you're looking for. And again, depending on depending on your business model. So it's all about context. Um, speaking of measuring account progression versus lead volume, you know, this is sort of the basic framework that we use. It, it will vary, uh, you know, e your company may have different names for each of these stages, or you may define each of these stages differently. In fact, you likely will, but unaware would be, for example, if they haven't visited the website, aware, maybe they visited in the last 90 days, engaged, visited 3x in the last 30 days. Again, these, these metrics are up to you, but that basic framework of unaware, aware, and engaged is, is a helpful one we find for measuring account progression. And then some sample metrics you might actually want to track, right, for, for these campaigns and, and programs that you're running. So how many of those target accounts that are on that list that you made and tiered and prioritized, how many of them are you reaching, right? How many of them are you getting in front of? How many of those are visiting, engaging, et cetera? Um, and then looking at, um, at those uh, responses generated and, and meetings booked, obviously ult ultimately all the way down to opportunities and, and pipeline and revenue. Speaking of lead volume, I know we, I mean, I see it often. I'm sure you see it very often. People still look at how many leads they have and doesn't matter if they're good leads, bad leads, or just editors like me simply researching somebody's website and all of a sudden I'm a lead, right? What are some important elements to remember when measuring ABM success? Because I know that lead-driven strategy, that's, I guess, irrelevant, you know, like, how can we measure ABM success instead of just focusing on that lead volume and that like influx of leads coming in? Well, leads have their place, right? And leads will always be good, right? So leads are, I put this bait out here, out there and here's who bit, right? And the biters, there always will be really good biters and you want them. I think of it almost as a filter. So as a marketer that is looking to gain respect from my colleagues in sales and throughout the company, what I'm not going to do is get giddy and go up and talk about the, I got these 20,000 leads when only a thousand of them were coming from target accounts. So actually at Rollworks, we have lots of lead programs, but we measure them based on how many are coming from target accounts. Now, we will sometimes get business from ones that aren't coming from target accounts, but the more rigorous metric we look at is the number of leads that are coming in from target accounts. But then what we do is for the programs where you can control things, which are, they're kind of more marketing outbound, right? We will only market to target accounts and do different things to different target accounts. So if it's just, for example, an ebook, we'll look at who's relevant on our house list and We'll send it to pretty much everyone because there's low cost, low effort. But then the follow-up, we'll tier the follow-up based on whether someone's coming from a target account list or not. And then we'll, you know, we'll follow up differently based on where not if they're on the target account list and also where within the target account list they're coming from. So when we look at the SDR efforts, we're not wasting their time. 
So I think it's about redefining leads or almost putting a filter on the leads. We've also found some really interesting things like even something like syndication, where normally syndication is something where you take a great piece of content and just sort of cross your fingers and hope it's not only students that are bringing back and going to be downloading your content. Well, now we've been able to negotiate with many syndication vendors that we have a very specific list of companies, of accounts that we want to target, and we want only quote-unquote leads from these accounts. So the cost is a little bit different, but we're not wasting their time, we're not wasting our time, and we're not wasting our SDR time. So we get fewer. So I call them skinnier funnels. Our funnels have gotten skinnier. Our required leads has gone down about 20%. At the same time as our overall opportunities has gone up quite significantly. So because we just have a more, a more disciplined approach to how we follow up. So I do think that's another misconception is that leads are dead. Leads are not dead. They're coming in. It's also important to understand a single person often is not buying something, right? Now, a single person might be an indicator that there's interest in the company, but you do need to engage buying committees at these accounts. So that's, I think, also why leads get a bad name, because we think of leads as a single person. But those people do work at accounts, right? And very often, they are the main person, and they're influencing the other stakeholders in the buying committee. And so they can be a really great thing, but you're looking at them through a different lens now. You're looking at them not as uh, Jane Doe, but you're looking at them as Jane Doe who has this title at this company. And now it's not the fact, her name could be Jane, it could be John, it could be Josephine, but really what's relevant is what she represents at that account. Most companies I work with, they want the full meal deal right away. And it just doesn't work that way. And that's really for small or large, but especially for small, because that overwhelming feeling of like, we don't have the resources. We can't do this. We're too resource constrained. Um, it's, it really is accessible if you just simple, you know, simplify things. So first of all, understanding what kind of budgetary, you know, concessions will have to be made. So really understanding that make sure you're including those tech, you know, any kind of technology costs, um, really um, selecting flexible tech, you know, technology platforms and point solutions that can help you execute. Um, understand your bandwidth. Is it possible? Can we succeed here and how? And if we feel like we're in the trap of we want it all, but we only have a little, then, and I have this don't boil the ocean. I know it's We hear it all the time, but it's so true. And then we have this graphic here of just step one, step two, step three. So if you do nothing else, work with sales to identify the target audiences. And then to what Devin was saying, ABM is across channels. You can start to pick some of the most effective channels to utilize against those targets and it gets you started. Shifting the conversation a little bit, because I do want to talk a little bit about budget. Last year, I'm sure many companies experienced tight budgets, maybe even some budget cuts. Resources were extremely tight. What's the best way for a company to either pilot or scale their ABM program without, and you've mentioned this a little bit throughout the conversation, you know, putting a strain on resources, but in terms of of budgets, what should people be focusing on? How can they get more bang for their buck? It's a hard one. Well, I think one thing that's been interesting, Claudia, is 
as you know, events have shifted this past year and it has enabled a lot of marketers to, although it's been unfortunate to see many events cancel, to be able to learn a lot more about digital. Even event marketers now are becoming much more digital, digital savvy. And so you see investments in digital, which are channels that are easier to scale up and scale down and can be much more measurable. So obviously digital are areas where you can sort of easily scale the budget according to, or scale the investment according to what your budget is and what your return is. Again, I think it's not, it's not really which channels, it's about being more efficient with all of your channels and having those safeguards. I think for, in terms of ABM, one thing that really helps us, Claudia, and one thing we evangelize with our customers and where we see our customers having a lot of success is in understanding that even within your target account list, there are a variety of accounts within there. So we're big advocates of tiering your target account list. And what that does is it gives you the flexibility to say, hey, this is an inbound. They're not a tier one, they're a tier four but they're still pretty pretty valuable. But we didn't spend a lot of money or effort in terms of getting them in the door. But those, again, those tier ones are ones where I want to put money and effort and see if I can connect with them. So I would say rather than channel, I would look at it as I would more look at having a very clear way where I can marry the top tier of my target account list with my budget. So if I've got a very tight budget, even for something like advertising, right, we'll see people sometimes and they have very, very small advertising budgets, but they want to hit 15,000 accounts. Well, you're not going to have any sort of effectiveness if you've got a very, very tiny budget and you're trying to, to get the whole world to know who you are. So concentrate on a smaller sub-segment, get success there, and then move on from there. And then again, layer on top of that intent signals, signals that are showing readiness like intent and engagement, and then that might bubble something up. So if somebody's raising their hand, that's where you should put your budget, irregardless of the channel. So again, it could be a gift, it could be ads, it could be SDR outreach, it could be all of those, but those are the ones I would kind of prioritize. And intent now is, I think, so pervasive that if you don't pay attention to that, your competitors will. So that is one area where we can see now where people are expressing interest or people and accounts, sorry, are expressing interest. And so if I see activity from an account, if you don't jump on it, your competitors will. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I feel like the topic of intent is a whole nother hour a conversation to have for sure. But I know that you brought up in your last answer, you brought up digital. Obviously, it's a digital first world right now. A lot of people are still home. You know, we're not seeing each other face to face just yet. So I feel like the spend on digital advertisements is, is really is strong based off really what I what I've seen in terms of research and stuff like that. And I know Rollworks is is huge on and, and does such a great job with account-based advertising. So I have this, I guess I don't want to say it's a weird question, but a, kind of a <laughs> random question to ask you because I love weird random questions. <laughs> good, good. So there's this oversaturation of digital ads. I mean, I, just going on any website, I'm getting an influx of uh, digital advertisements. So 
It's kind of like driving past like one a major highway that just has billboard after billboard after billboard. So you may acknowledge them, right, in passing, but you're not going to really act on any of them unless one truly, truly stands out. So with that in mind, how can marketers make these digital ads stand out and really get that click? I think that's another misperception, right? So sometimes you want to click, but sometimes it's really the awareness that'll help, right? I'll give you a few examples. Maybe you're deep in an opportunity cycle, and that's a great time to engage a buying committee at companies that you that you have in opportunities where, for example, maybe the CFO isn't somebody you're interacting with directly, but if the CFO is, you know, even if it's the weekend and they're browsing on CNN and they see a, a nice slick ad for your, for your company, there's an association in the CFO's brain that, you know, this is a reputable company that is someone that I might want to do business to, with. So there's, there's just the awareness and brand perception that can actually be quite effective And even for people closer to the sales cycle, or even people that are not quite ready, if I see that brand over and over, it locks in the perception that you're a brand that has your act together or you're reputable. Just like when I see a billboard on the highway, I think, oh, that company's really doing well. They have billboards on the highway. Even though the dirty little secret is you don't need to be doing well necessarily, You just need to buy the billboard on the highway. I think even myself knowing how the sausage is made, I still am impressed when I see an ad. And I think sometimes you might have something really specific, download the guide, try the, you know, free trial. But you're right, people, what we found is, although click-through rates have not necessarily gone down, there's still digital very often is about awareness more necessarily than the click, what we will see very often is accounts where we've seen exposure to ads are visiting the website, but possibly later. They're maybe jotting down the name or they see the ad a few times and then it's Monday morning and they're sitting at their desk and they're like, oh, I'm going to go check that thing out. So you do see a lot of correlation and not not necessarily causation. So a lot of people like you, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm checking checking the news and I see this ad and I'll go, you know, or I have the recall later and I'll go, or even it might be months later, you reach out, your SDR reaches out and there's more likelihood to respond because there's that association in their brain. So we see that all the time. We see a lot of customers also um, very thoughtfully sequencing ads before there's attempts for outreach so that by that time there's the brand awareness. Awesome. Really great answer. Well, Randy, that is all the questions I have for you today. Thank you so much. But before we sign off, I want to, did we miss anything? Is there anything you want to add? Anything related to, you know, scaling an ABM program or starting off? Any final thoughts? Yeah, I guess my final thoughts and wrap up, and I, I feel like I've said this before, is educate yourself, but don't be scared. Dip your toe in. Starting with a spreadsheet is fine. It's about an account-based mentality, which likely if you're a good marketer, you've got some semblance of that anyway. You just need to sort of formalize it, coordinate with sales and marketing. If you're having a tough time, 
doing that in a broader way, just work on a couple campaigns. Do those no-brainers. Here's who we're sending gift cards to. Let's make sure those are the same people you're outreaching to. And even if you can't get that, say, hey, can you send us a list of who you're outreaching to and then send those people gift cards, right? Like don't, don't get all caught up in who's creating the list or why. Just start somewhere, then say, this is great. Okay, let's be more thoughtful about how we create that list. Let's do it in a more objective way. This is great. Let's invest in a platform. Again, as you know, Claudia, we're big believers in the democratization of ABM. We have platforms for companies of all sizes, so very easy ways to get started. Start building from there. And not all target accounts are the same. Think about tiering your list so that you can have ABM at scale, the areas where uh, your budget and resources are conducive to that but where you can also be more targeted when you're more limited with resources. And then the efficiencies you'll gain will make your life much easier, I promise. You don't need to generate as many leads. You'll have skinnier funnels. You'll be more aligned. Um, once you have those efficiencies running, you can then invest the time you have left over to get more and more sophisticated. So success begets success here. And yeah, I guess that's about all I'm going to say. The, the days are getting longer. The weather's getting better. ABM is here to stay. So all things are looking up for spring. Awesome. Amen to that. I have nothing else to add because that was a great answer. So Randy, thank you again for taking the time. It was a great conversation and a pleasure to talk to you again. And I look forward to seeing all the great stuff from Rollworks for the rest of the year. So thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Claudia. And thank you all for listening today. As always, be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a single beat. We're available on all of the major podcast players, so take your pick. I'd also love to hear any thoughts, feedback, or guest suggestions that you may have. Drop me a line on Twitter or LinkedIn, and I look forward to hearing from you. For more ABM insights, join us at the B2B Marketing Exchange Next Level ABM online experience in June. Yes, we're doing another event. And registration for this three-day virtual extravaganza is now open. So I'll drop a link into the show notes for easy access. Thanks again, folks. I'll catch you next time.